Well, thank you, Matt. Thank you, children, for helping preach the gospel with a swimming pool full of M&Ms. Combining that and Luther's freedom of a Christian, that is impressive. Thank you, Matt. And thanks all families for uh, being here in worship. It is a delight to hear and see the word preached to all ages and to have it preached by our kids as well. We give thanks for this. Now, brothers and sisters in Christ here at First Lutheran, grace and peace are yours today through God our Father and His Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, because your sins are forgiven. And this is better than a pool full of M&Ms, believe it or not. It is by the power of the Holy Spirit, actually, that I preached to you now what Peter first preached. And you may have noticed I've been borrowing from Peter the last few weeks, and we have uh, one more week of Peter uh, in our lectionary. But he said this week, for Christ also suffered for sins once and for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, in order to bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. And so now, while you have been looking for peace in all sorts of places, you've been looking for grace in all sorts of ways this past week, your search for peace through the news or maybe politics through the markets, whether they're up or down, maybe family, work, or leisure. And indeed, in all these places, God has put you here to serve your neighbors. But now, apart from all these ways that you've tried to be right in the law, now grace and peace comes to you through the power of the Holy Spirit on account of Jesus Christ, who suffered for your sins once and for all. So on this sixth Sunday in the season of Easter, we proclaim that Christ died for you once and for all and was made, made alive together in the Spirit so that you too now may die to your sin. This is God's work, by the way. And so that you too may be brought to God and made new in Christ alone. Amen. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. So begins Jesus, where we left off last week in John 14. Now last week we heard Jesus give comfort to Peter and to Thomas and to James and all the disciples who were scared. He promised that because he and the Father are one, there is a place for them in the mansion in the kingdom of God, there is a room, there is a house. And now for you, this is true as well. But this week we hear Jesus teach that even though he is to be raised up in the ascension, which as I mentioned in the announcements, is this Thursday on the liturgical calendar, even though Jesus will be raised up, the Holy Spirit will be with them, will abide with them. And so Jesus rounds out his teaching on the Holy Trinity to the disciples, not as a mystery to unlock, not as a logic puzzle to figure out, but as a comfort, a promise of God's coming fully and completely as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to give all that is needed to these disciples who were scared and to you as well. Yet this first word of the gospel kind of sticks out like a sore thumb. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Anytime you hear a sentence starting with the word if, well, you know there's something else coming. It's a then. Ifs always precede thens. And you know this is going to be a biggie when the next three words are if you love me. Now, I 
learned a little bit of computer programming in college uh, when I was studying engineering. And uh, if you maybe some of you science types remember Fortran, this is a, a long left language only used in teaching these days because it's so simple. Uh, but this is what we learned. Uh, and in computer programming, you deal with if-then statements all the time. If A, then B. If there's something here, if you give me this answer, then I will give you this answer. Uh, and when, you, when the A is you love me, if you love me, the B is something important. If you love me, then you'll take out the garbage, right? Well, that's a good one. Maybe a tough one on a rainy Mother's Day, but true. And I have to say that computers don't really care if you love them or not, but people do. Uh, or for kids, at least for me when I was a child, if you love me, then you'll buy me the Millennium Falcon toy from Star Wars, which was huge and quite unattainable uh, when I was a child. And it didn't happen. I did not get it. Uh, or if you love me, then why did you say those words to me? I mean, anytime we hear, if you love me, we know something important is coming. And that's true with Jesus' words here, too. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Yet all of a sudden, right at the very beginning of our gospel reading, we are in the language of the law. If, then, and you are tempted, as am I, to examine your love. Well, do I love you? Have I loved you enough? How well have you loved Jesus? or your neighbors? How well do you love Christ? Have you kept the commandments? And right away, we're stuck in the soup of what becomes quite, well, it feels unknown, the rainstorm of not enough. In Psalm 66, the psalmist said, and we said together, you brought us into the net, God. You laid heavy burdens on our backs. That is the burden of not knowing whether you've done enough. You who have planted things this spring, even if it is grass in your yard, you may have been wondering if there would be enough rain. Paul recognized this also among the Athenians when he was preaching to them that they were worshiping an unknown God. How frustrating would that be to have a God that is not known? But that is our plight outside of Christ, outside of the gate who is the way, the truth, and the life. We live in the world of ifs. And so I want you to know this day that in Christ, your ifs are turned into whenevers. You see, there is a, a better way to understand this translation in John 14. It is whenever you love me, you will keep my commandments. And now here, when Jesus uses this phrase, in connection with the Holy Spirit, which is the one Jesus is teaching about, where there is the Holy Spirit, then this is something altogether new. Here is G Jesus is giving a description in the form of a promise. And now as Peter, who actually heard these words firsthand right out of the lips of Jesus, when he preached, said, Christ suffered for your sins once and for all, that is, you have not loved Jesus or God with all of your heart, but Christ died for your sins in order to bring you to God. Now the unknown is made known in Christ through the Holy Spirit, who Jesus calls the advocate, the helper, the Holy Spirit who is with you now, today, as you hear this word, active 
in your life. Now, you have memorized your small catechisms. Recall how we teach what the Holy Spirit does. When Luther asked the question about the third article of the Creed, which is the last part where we confess, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting, all of this is connected with the Holy Spirit. And Luther asks, what does this mean? He answers this, and you may recognize these words. He says, I believe that by my own understanding or strength, I cannot believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him. And so right away we get an answer to the if-then question that we have not loved Jesus, that we cannot love Jesus or even believe in him or come to him by our own power or strength. And that is a tough place to be. But Luther is not done, nor is Jesus, nor is the Holy Spirit. Luther's answer continues, but instead... The Holy Spirit has called me through the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, made me holy, and kept me in the true faith. Just as he calls, gathers, enlightens, and makes holy the whole Christian church on earth and keeps it with Jesus Christ in the one common true faith. You see, it is the Holy Spirit who Jesus is giving now to the disciples and to you it is this Holy Spirit who gives all of this for you, including loving Jesus. And it doesn't end there. Luther's answer continues daily. That is, every day in this Christian church, the Holy Spirit abundantly forgives all sins, mine and those of all believers. And on the last day, the Holy Spirit will raise me and will raise you and all the dead and will give to you and all believers in Christ eternal life. And then Luther ends. This is most certainly true. This is most certainly true, and it is. In this life, we are surrounded by if-thens, the law, it must be this way for now. And you are tempted to self-examine to see if you have loved enough. This is the way of the world, by the way. It is the way of the law, God's law, in fact. But now Christ puts an end to this. On this Mother's Day, you are not left orphaned in the law, for now you will see him, as Jesus tells his disciples. He says, you will see him. He says, the world will not see me, but you will. This is the work of the Spirit now Jesus sends the Spirit to you, and wherever the Holy Spirit, there is also Jesus and the Father. And he says, whenever you love me, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you will keep my commandments. And how does this work? Well, it begins with your baptism, where you are made perfect lovers and given the power of the Holy Spirit. Peter preaches this as well. He says, Jesus was put to death in the flesh and made alive in the Spirit, and in baptism now saves you not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers made subject to him. So in Christ now, through the Holy Spirit, your ifs are turned into whenevers. You are made perfect lovers now, not through your own power, but by the Holy Spirit, so that on the last day, the Holy Spirit will raise you and all the dead 
and will give to you and all believers in Christ eternal life. This is most certainly true. Amen.